the life of a robot. Yo, I'm seeing robots passing by every day. I'm seeing robots. La 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 la. I'm seeing robots passing by every day. I'm seeing robots. All you model robots with mechanical legs, big hips, and plants. Little chips in your arm. You can accept it or be stupid and be a skeptic. Unconceivable, unbelievable. Unidentified flying objects. I want to Welcome to the I Wanna Believe podcast. This is the fifth bonus episode of season five. I'm Nomar Slavic. It's been a minute, and I gotta tell you, I've been a little discouraged. Listenership for my last two episodes wasn't as high as I was used to, so it's made me kind of step back and reevaluate what I should really be doing with this podcast. Alongside that, 2022 has been a pretty difficult year for me. I know it's been a difficult year for many of us, and uh, I'm just doing the best that I can, so I appreciate everyone's patience. Uh, Lastly, I'd like to say before I introduce the show that I'm working on a new book, and that's a big deal for me. Working on a large project, such as a book or a documentary, that really helps me to kind of focus my anxiety and my depression into an area where something positive can come out of it. And that's what's happening right now. It's a long process and I'm going to be going through it for a a while. And I really appreciate the writing process. And for every author, it's different. And what I do is I recognize when I'm having anxiety and I recognize when I'm in a depressive state and I work and it's not working to not deal with my issues. It's working through my issues and I can, I have been mildly successful doing that. I have adopted some other coping mechanisms that I did learn in therapy years ago when I was in it. Can't afford it now, but I am thankful for the coping mechanisms that I did learn. And some of that is meditation. Uh, Some of that is really positive distractions. Uh, I used to participate in negative distractions or self-medication, and I've moved away from that. And I'm trying, uh, you know, trying these uh, better for me anyways, coping mechanisms. And, you know, there's hard times and they pass and there's good times and those unfortunately also pass. So it's, it's a roller coaster, And I'm sure a lot of you out there live it every day, just like I do. And, um, so anyways, uh, long story short, that's why I've been gone for a little while. I appreciate you hanging in there with me. And, uh, 
There's also a new book on the way, so that's exciting as well. 2024, it is the 10-year anniversary of my first book, UFOs Over Maine. And that, I thought I was going to, you know, do a new intro, uh, get somebody to write the forward, and I was going to introduce a couple new cases, and then everything else would be the same from the 2014 book. But then I reread the 2014 book. <laughs> and it's it's cringy. I don't know. Look, Go look back on your posts on Facebook or Instagram, wherever the hell you post stuff, Twitter from 2014, and see if you don't cringe a bit at some of the things that you wrote. Well, I definitely cringed uh, throughout the whole book, but that's not to say there isn't some, there is some good stuff in there. So, uh, but regardless, it's turned into completely rewriting the book. And that book was chopped to hell in the editing process. My second book, Otherworldly Encounters, was also chopped to hell. So not being with a publisher this time, I'm finally going to be putting out the book about UFOs in Maine that I've always wanted to. And that's coming in 2024, and I cannot wait for you guys to check it out. All right, enough with all of that bullshit. Let's, let's get into introducing what this episode's about. As you know, I always say, as a quick reminder, you can follow us at 207Believe on Instagram. You can follow me as well, at Slevic. Feel free to DM some show topic ideas. My latest book, which is a horror fiction book, We Only Come Out at Night, is available for purchase. It can be found at slevicstore.company.site or at the Green Hand Bookshop, in person or on their website. Shout out to Michelle Sillier. Also, my documentary, Otherworldly Amore, has a new home. It's streaming exclusively on Paraflix Paranormal Plus, which is a subscription service much like Netflix and offers monthly or yearly subscriptions. Once subscribed, you have access to not only Otherworldly Amore, but hundreds of other paranormal shows, documentaries, and even horror movies. By using the code OTHERWORLDLYAMORE10 at checkout, you can get 10% off your first three months. That's OTHERWORLDLYAMORE10. Amore is spelled A-M-O-R, and it's 10 as in 1-0. OTHERWORLDLYAMORE10. All right, let's get into this remixed episode the metal man of folkville alabama tricky tricky name there you gotta be careful how you say it that's folkville what the fuck while reports of alien encounters seem to be a dime a dozen there are very few photos of what eyewitnesses purported to be the actual extraterrestrial mm. being that they made contact with the case of the Falkville Metal Man is one of those rare exceptions, and to make things even more intriguing, the pictures were taken by none other than the police chief who'd been sent out to investigate a UFO landing and got much more than he bargained for. Back at the end of 2018 and the start of 2019, Kyle and I recorded and put out an episode on the Falkville Metal Man. Season 2, and it was episode 1. This episode is about the Falkville Metal Man. Metal Man makes me think we're discussing a He-Man character or something, you know? If you look at the image that I created for this podcast, first of all, it's got like a Metallica font, <laughs> but there's also a picture of what this Falkville Metal Man is, and we'll get into that too, and we'll put some more clearer pictures or links to pictures in the show notes. 
now as I've done with the Dover Demon episode and the Jersey Devil episode. This is a remixed episode. Kyle and I were novices to podcasting at the time. We've since upgraded our equipment and I feel that these stories deserve a more thorough and higher quality retelling. So that's what we're doing tonight. When you think of aliens, what comes to mind? The little gray aliens described in Communion, or maybe Betty and Barney Hill's story? Or maybe you think of little goblins, or the large creatures reported in the Pascagoula, Mississippi case? Well, whatever you think, scratch it, because this is a weird one. On October 17, 1973, in Falkville, Alabama, a man encountered an odd humanoid being. This man was the town's chief of police, and he just so happened to get some pictures of this entity. The story starts out as a quiet evening in Falkville. Chief Greenhaw had arrived home in the early evening, ate dinner with his wife, and relaxed for the night. Just before 10 p.m., the phone rang at the Greenhaw residence. The chief answered to a frantic woman yelling about a landed UFO in a field near her home. Greenhaw could hardly believe what he was hearing, but he was a good cop, so he got dressed and went to check it out. In the off chance this was real, Greenhaw grabbed his Polaroid camera as well. When he arrived on scene, he got out of his truck and patrolled the area, but found nothing out of the ordinary. He returned to his vehicle and decided to take a drive around the field before returning home. As he cruised around the perimeter, he scanned the darkness for anything unusual, but saw nothing of interest in the murky blackness. He then turned down a narrow gravel path for one final pass. And that, that was when he came face to face with an odd entity. It stood about a hundred yards down the path. Greenhaw described it as a humanoid figure. He got out of his truck and carefully approached, thinking it could be somebody in need of assistance. In a National Investigations Committee on Aerial Phenomena report, it is written that, quote, he was taken aback by the sight of an alien-like creature standing just off the road. The being appeared to be wrapped in aluminum foil, and it began to walk toward Greenhaw. Greenhaw said it looked like his head and neck were kind of made together. He was real bright, something like rubbing mercury on nickel, but just as smooth as glass. Different angles give different lighting. I don't believe it was aluminum foil. The tinfoil alien's movements were very mechanical-like. An antenna was attached to his head. Though in shock, he managed to snap off four pictures of the odd-looking alien. When he flicked on his headlights, the oddity seemed to get frightened and took off running. Greenhaw immediately got in his truck to pursue. But because of the rough terrain of the field, he was only able to manage 35 miles per hour. 
The robotic movements of the entity were now in high gear and it raced across an open field. Greenhaw could not keep up and this being escaped into the night. Greenhaw said he was running faster than any human I ever saw. Although Greenhaw was exhilarated by the strange encounter, he would soon regret the whole affair. He was mocked and ridiculed by many of the town folk, and he received threatening phone calls. Also, a string of bad luck began to affect his life. Whether related to this incident or not, his house burned down and his wife left him. And about a month after the incident, the town council fired him, end quote. Now, some further details include that Greenhaw shouted out at this entity, but it did not respond. He also got within 15 feet of the being, and it was illuminated by the truck's high beams, which is when he observed the silvery suit. That's also when he grabbed the Polaroid camera and took four pictures. Now, those four pictures are actually the cover of this episode. And as you can see, they're quite startling. The first Polaroid didn't show very much except for some inky darkness and a flash of silver. But the next three images are pretty phenomenal. The Phantom and Monsters website reported, quote, in the photo, one can clearly see a human-like figure wearing a wrinkly metallic suit, which is reflecting the Polaroid's flash. Perhaps believing that it was being attacked by a human with some sort of light beam weapon, the creature almost instantaneously turned and began sprinting across the field at speeds far in excess of those capable by human. Greenhaw noted that it seemed to be heading in the general direction of Lakin, which is about three miles away from Falkville, end quote. I will be sure to put a link in the show notes to those pictures so you can see them all, you know, individually as opposed to just on the cover, but check it out. They're, they're pretty interesting. An unfamiliar voice spoke from the other side of the door. Let me her hand reflexively grasped the knob, unable to control her own movements. The door opened. A monstrous being stood before her. She gagged at its stench and fell to her knees. It stood in the doorway. A black substance dripped from its body and puddled at its feet. It looked down at her and said, that's a good girl. Now aren't you going to invite me in? She shook her head back and forth as tears streamed from her eyes. It smiled a depraved grin revealing black, rotted teeth. It said, Still following daddy's advice about strangers. While he's in hell, he burns over and over and over again. We Only Come Out at Night, the brand new book from Nomar Slavic. 33 horror fiction stories that will remind you that what lies beyond the darkness only comes out at night. We Only Come Out at Night is available only in print and can be found at slavicstore.company.site or at the Greenhand Bookshop at greenhandbookshop.com.
Greenhaw, who rarely does interviews, sat down with Redwater Filmworks in 2020 to discuss what he saw that night. In this 2020 interview, Greenhaw states that, you know, he was married, hey, he had his wife, and he also had five children. Three of them were adopted. He alludes to the fact here that uh, his wife didn't leave him. He said, I pretty well withdrew myself from the uh, public for years. My wife, she is kind of a protector. She helps me filter the bad people, and I call them out of, in this world. And, you know, I didn't realize that we had so many people that would, you know, they get their uh, kicks with mistreating other people because of the misfortunes that they've had. And she helps me to make sure that that I just don't have to go through a lot of the stuff. People that were supposed to be your friends or my friends, you know, the only thing that I found out is that I couldn't trust anyone. And I withdrew, I, I ran, I went places, you know, to get away from it. And, you know, sometimes it was no, there's no hiding. Well, me and my wife raised five children. He said, quote, I turned out to be a person I never, never dreamed that I would be because of what happened. It made me hard, but it made me strong as well. And I came close to losing my sanity, but my wife and God kept me from losing my sanity. You know, that's the only thing that, that kept, kept me, me going. going. I am still a believer in life after death, and at one point, I didn't believe there was any other life source in the universe, but that really changed." End quote. You know, so some of the reporting over the years may have been lax, or, or, or maybe she did leave him for a little while. Now, Greenhaw never sought financial gain from the encounter, if anything. Sticking to his accounts from that strange evening made his life incredibly difficult, and it left him isolated and ridiculed. I moved a uh, county about uh, 30 miles from where this happened and uh, uh, I bought a place in a remote area to where that uh, you know my closest neighbor was like a mile away so I mean I don't didn't want to be bothered. Now, Greenhaw, in the original story, it said that he shouted at the figure, uh, but in this 2020 interview, he says that he tried to speak to the figure. I said something to the big howdy stranger, and uh, there was no response at all, and you know, I, didn't, uh, I didn't push my luck. At that point, I reached in and I turned the uh, blue lights on on the patrol car, and seen how reflective the uh, material really was. And when I looked back up, it was moving away from me. And so I said, well, I'll just chase it down and run, or if I have to run over it. That didn't, that, that didn't happen either. So Greenhaw did keep those photos for quite a while, and he kept them in a safe place following the encounter. But he claims that about 10 years later, in 1983, that someone broke into his home and stole the pictures. And he did file a police report. Also missing were his service revolver and a shotgun. 10 years 
nearly to the day I took those pictures. Somebody or something broke into my home and those pictures disappeared and I, I, I don't have them anymore. I didn't have a backup or anything and they were in a safe place, but they came up missing. Matter of fact, I filed a police report November, right around November the 1st of uh, 1983. Out of all the guns that I had, my service revolver was missing and a shotgun. And that's, that's all that was missing from my home and those pictures. And those pictures were in a, uh, they were in a place that didn't nobody know where they were at but me. And I said, wow, that's really weird. The only three things that I had with me that night, the shotgun that was in the car, the service revolver, and those pictures. And all three of them came up missing. Also in that interview from 2020, Greenhaw alluded to, more than alluded, to the fact that he's had some strange encounters, some strange medical encounters happen uh, since that night. Here's what he said about it. I've had some very strange communications with, I don't know what you, what you call it, nature or the world or the universe have had some very strange things and I've also lived through three events that I should have died from and I've had the doctor to tell me you should not be alive 25 years ago I came down with my cancer and it was two enormous tumors and I survived all that then the heart condition. They told me that my heart was doing some things that they had rarely ever seen before. And they finally got it fixed. And then I had a a triple aneurysm. And on each one of those things, I should have never survived. Like I say, I have had some strange happenings in the past 50 years since this has happened to me. It was also revealed in that 2020 interview that there was a little bit more to that phone call on what the woman saw and where, and also what Greenhaw saw just a couple nights later after the metal man sighting. Check it out. She said that there, she owns property close, very close to some TVA power lines and that there had been some strange objects uh, unidentified flying objects around those TVA lines. And she said that night that there was uh, a lot of uh, traffic under and around those TVA power lines. I even went out there to where she was talking about a few nights later. And sure enough, you know, there, there was... Uh, I seen some strange things happen at those power lines. I seen fireballs go to the ground from those power lines. I said, hey, I'm not supposed to be seeing this. I don't know what's happening or why. So I left. Now, MUFON, the Mutual UFO Network, would later examine the negatives of the photos with interesting results. 
they didn't find any sign of tampering. They said that they also claimed to find what appeared to be a UFO-like object on the negatives, which did not show up on the photos. Now, if it was a hoax, it obviously blew up in Greenhaw's face because it, it did not help his life in any way. But to this day, he never recanted or changed his story. Something to think about. Now, some ufologists do believe that the robotic alien type entity was actually a scout for an extraterrestrial craft in that it was doing, you know, its business, whatever it felt like it should be doing there. Not all researchers believe that, but that was part of the research for a little while. And Walt Andrus, a director of MUFON, uh, he was the one that analyzed the photos. Some of the analysts that Andrus brought in, they thought the encounter was most likely a hoax and possibly inspired by the recent, at the time, Pascagoula event that happened in uh, Mississippi. They presumed that either actual aluminum foil was used or perhaps an asbestos fire suit was used to create the odd look of the entity. What do you think happened on that evening in 1973? Check out the photos for yourself. And in this episode, you've heard Greenhaw speak. So what do you believe? I mean, I've wondered many a times, why me? Why me? I've kind of got this uh, voice that tells me all things happen for a reason. Finally, I accepted the fact that I can change something. There's a lot of things that I can't change. Biggest thing is I can change is me, 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 me. So with many of these cases that we cover on this show, we're left with an ambiguous conclusion, meaning there isn't one. This isn't solved. It never will be. All we can go by was from what Greenhaw said in his interview and what he reported that night. Truly is up to you to decide if you believe it or not. Again, thanks so much for listening. Please be sure to check out the store, slevicstore.company.site. I have been able to finagle some cheaper shipping costs, uh, so that'll help bring prices down a little bit. It's uh, it's always a struggle, but I appreciate you hanging in there with me. Uh, I've got books and DVDs and pins and stickers for sale up there. Also, be sure to give us a follow at 207believe on Instagram. Thanks so much for sticking in there with us. I'm no more Slavic. Thank you.